sometimes I forget the very easy lessons that I had learned before. Mm. You know, sometimes I have writer's block. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not doing one of these two things to try to solve it. Yeah. I might just be sitting there upset with myself, mm. which isn't actually mm. the solution, which is not the solution for sure. Good afternoon, morning, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Design Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Grove, and a very special guest, Julian Neuer. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, definitely. In French, it's going to be, because I'm French, it's going to be Julien Noyer, but I'm completely fine with the Americanization of my name, Julian Neuer. Okay. I'm cool All with right. that. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Here's a fun fact. The intro graphic that I used on videos on this YouTube channel, uh, when I started this channel, that intro animation was made by, designed and animated by Julian here. I remember that. And and for the side note, uh, it was my first job in Vietnam. Oh. It was your second job because I met you on the on a film shoot. Oh yeah, that's right. That's so, right. But like, it's, yeah, it didn't feel like a job. The 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 film, <laughs> the movie. Did it, you ever end up watching that movie? Uh, never. Did you? And that's, it was kind of hard to find. I think I, I I did find it at one point, and the whole thing had been dubbed into Italian. Yeah. Yeah, which, it's an Italian movie. Which made me think, why did the director or the assistant director keep yelling quiet on the set? Well, there was no point because they redid all the audio in post. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Mm. We were uh, both extras in a Italian-produced movie that in part took place during the Vietnam War. And it was the first Western movie about the Vietnam War to be filmed in Vietnam which is another side note, another fun fact. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I met you on the set. I met Morgan from Indica. I met uh, uh, Sam, who's gone now. Like a, a bunch of friends, a bunch of people who became my friend and a bunch of uh, uh, network connections. Like I met you and that gave me my second gig then in Vietnam, but like my first gig as a uh, professional in my field at the time, which is like, which was motion design video and became VJ and 3D mapping artists. Right. So yeah. I have prim primarily known you as a VJ and a motion graphics artist, but you're doing something very different now. Uh, yep, absolutely. I'm doing something quite different uh, because I'm a hypnotherapist. I do, I do, I practice hypnosis. It's been more than three years now. Time flies and and my practice is uh, taking off in a sense because I'm also doing it internationally by Skype call, Facebook call, uh, Zoom. Um, yeah, it's different than video motion design and, and all of that. I'm actually curious. One, how did you get into hypnotherapy two what is hypnotherapy and three um which parts of hypnosis 
that are seen in pop- popular culture are true mm-hmm. and which parts are not true. Okay, okay, okay. There are a bunch of questions. Okay, um, the first one is like, how did I get into that? Um, I think, well, I remember exactly how I suddenly sparkle interest on that. It's, it's my mom, who's a, a psychotherapist in France, who did a training to, to add um, hypnosis, hypnotherapy as a toolkit. She just wanted to have this extra skill to, for her practice. And she, on one of our call, she just mentioned it and it didn't do much to me. I didn't, uh, I didn't get so interested on that. I didn't ask her to engage in the topic more, but she said, you, sh- you should check online uh, this guy um, and his name is uh, Kevin Finel, is a very famous hypnotherapist in France, but I didn't know at the time. So she just gave me his name, dropped his name. I went on YouTube, I watched one video of him doing a demo on someone. And it's just a demo about hypnotherapy. It's not so much the classical hypnosis that we might think of, where like you cluck like a chicken or you do weird dances. Like it was just this guy has some, I don't remember what he was, but maybe something around the line of anxiety and depression. And this guy, Kevin Finel, just talked to him for a while. And the subject or, or the client, the patient, at some point just closed his eyes and lift his hand. But you could, you could tell that he was not doing it like voluntary. You could tell that it was just happening. And you could tell that in the language it was being used, it was supposed to happen, but it was not directly uh, ordered to be happened. So that, that, that was a strange, it's, it's even strange when I probably explain it, but um, me, it blew my mind watching this video. So after that, I, I do what we all do when we start to get interested on a topic on YouTube. I went from a video to another, to another, to another. I ended up contacting the training center of Kevin Finel to say, uh, to ask them, how can I, how can I learn that? And they give me. So is hypnotherapy something, hypnotherapy or hypnosis, something that somebody can learn just through YouTube? Or do you have to go through some kind of certification course? Um, At the moment, if we are just talking about certifications, there are no, in most countries, there are not regulations. It's not a regulated um, profession. So you can technically go on some online courses, uh, learn a bit of it, and then open your practice. However, for having done both and online courses, uh, YouTube videos, and also live trainings, I would say that live trainings are actually teaching you when you watch videos on YouTube, you will never get this rapport that you have with someone who's... It's just like the difference between uh, watching a movie and, and, and seeing something happening in real life. You just don't have the same level of involvement and emotion, I guess. I don't know how to explain that. But yeah, life training is, I would say, a hundred times more efficient when it comes to learning than watching videos. How about for th- versus 3D? Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, 
comparison. I was going to do it actually about learning After Effects online. For example, oh, I learned Cinema 4D online only. I've never met anybody. I've met one guy who helped me some, for some tips, but mostly I was doing it online. And yeah, it's different because you learn online and the tool is right here on the same screen. And it's a bunch of steps that you need to follow. So then you get the result that you want. I mean, in 3D, right? Uh, or After Effects or animations or video editing, anything that is an online, uh, that is a um, software application. But then when it comes to hypnosis, um, there are steps, right? But there is not a step-by-step -step process that would work with everybody all the time at any moment. Yeah, it's, it's, you need to get the logic of it. It's, it's really more about learning any, I would say, technical skills online. Like even, okay, my dad used to repair his cars by watching YouTube videos. So that would work. It's a step-by-step -step process. You follow it scrupulously and then you fix your car <laughs> or whatever you want to fix. But when it comes to um, any work related to human report, rapport, then you always have to adjust. Like I follow one class, one of the class that I follow, one of them was from this Canadian hypno, hypnotist, hypnotherapist. He was doing straight hypnosis. So it's more like for the cool effects that you can see where, where people forget their name or have their hands stick on the table. It's not really, it doesn't have any therapeutic purpose, but it's still fun and fu fun tool to learn. So I was following his class and he has uh, one, uh, one girl who, who was helping him for the video and she was the subject. He would apply a bunch of uh, way of sentencing, of, of phrasing what he was saying and, and give some step-by-step -step processes. But it was working right there with her and that doesn't necessarily mean that if I follow the exact same process that would work with you, you know. But they always tell you in the hypnotherapy field, in the hypnosis field, to learn from a lot of different sources and and always be flexible and willing to adapt with the person you are doing hypnoth hypnosis with. And I'm saying hypnosis with because people tend to think that it's I'm doing hypnosis on someone like i'm doing hypnosis i have this weird strange power and i make you do things so here this is the first myth we can debunk there's no such thing as a powerful hypnotist who just make you do things there's always in the background this active collaboration so that means when somebody stands on a table and acts like a chicken they you're just uncovering their latent desire to really it's, act it, like a chicken? I wouldn't even say it, go, it, it doesn't even go that far. Like, when you went to school, there was this funny guy in each class. At least there's one funny guy, right? He's the one who joke in front of the teacher, is never shy. He clowning around in front of the board. And we all enjoy seeing this guy doing his stuff. Now, 20 years later, everybody is a... Uh, working here and there some have some have families and in a crowd of people in in a crowd in the audience watching a let's say hypnosis show there's going to be one of these joker will be in the middle of the crowd 
one of this guy, one of this funny guy. And he is going to be the one who's being picked and is going to be used as the one who dances and act like a chicken. So now the job of the hypnotist will be to pick the right subject more than applying some weird power to make anybody does that. Because now we, we are into the, the second field of hypnosis or the, 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 the other field of hypnosis. I was talking about the hypno, uh, the therapeutic side first. So you help people. I help people to heal from anxiety, stress, depression, uh, phobias, and on. And the other side, the one we are mentioning right now, is uh, for entertainment. So uh, we call it stage hypnosis. So back to it. In stage hypnosis, the job of the hypno hypnotist is to pick the right subjects and then ask them to do whatever. And and they are like there's a debate in the hypnosis community whether or not there's a state of trance, like an actual state of trance where you kind of like close your eyes, let go, and things are happening in a different way that they would. But that's that's debatable and 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 i i tend to believe that there is no there's no such thing as like being in a trance and you're connecting with your unconscious this kind of it's more it's more one thing rather than there's your conscious mind your unconscious i, I wouldn't go for something like this i don't believe that there's an unconscious mind all powerful taking care of you you know when you when you change something in your life, uh, there are motivation that you might not know right now that you have, but we could find them. But that doesn't mean that they are hidden. Usually they are just uh, held back from because you have some fears or anxiety. Fears is like driving a lot of people anyway. What would be a difference then um, between therapy mm-hmm. And I guess there should be different methods of therapy, like cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And I don't know if there's like Freudian or, you know, but there's different Yeah, psycho- a classical, I don't know if you can call it like that, but like psychology as we know it, like the talk about your childhood and let's find the root of the cause. It's another uh, form of therapy, that like thousands of different ways of doing therapy. So where do, where would hypnotherapy fit within this spectrum of therapies? The thing is, hypnotherapy is something you can combine with anything you want. It's 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 also a thing on its own, right? Like people will use hypnotherapy and 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 by using hypnosis, they will make you have like kind of a regression. That's what they call it, like. Um, five-step regression I think if I'm not wrong I don't this is not my specialty like the regression into childhood but once again like some believe that there's no such thing you just go back into memories that are not accurate anyway but I don't really I'm not going to discuss about whether or not I believe in this or that some people go and see a witch and or or a fortune teller and they get better so it's not so much about what I think is accurate or not. It's all, it's all about what works. So, yeah, it's not even a topic I, I, I really want to go into anyway. It's, it's, it's more interesting. Like if you believe that because now you know the root cause or the so-called root cause of your 
current issue, then you feel better, then this is the way to treat your issue then. Yeah. But not for everybody. Like it's been, I'm not going to say it's been proved, but root cause, when you find the root, when you think that you found the root cause of your current problems, that doesn't necessarily mean that now you feel better. You just link it to something that happens. You're like, oh, it's because of that that I'm like this. Well, so what would be the the best case scenario for hypnotherapy? Um, what would be a condition I would have that I could actually make great progress in uh, in changing? Um, what well, is anything that you could change really like as long as it's linked to like if i'm an asshole could you make me not an asshole ah well that's that's okay this is subjective because maybe someone someone might not find that you're an asshole because some people think i'm an asshole <laughs> <laughs> but um some people do all right we we can say that but some might not consider that you're an asshole it's more about like what do you think about yourself and what do you think you could do Right. To improve yourself or to but you. What if my problem is that I think I'm great? You think you're great, right? but you're not. But but I happen to not be. Yeah, but all of this, okay, that's all of this is subjective. All of this is some people are what we would call we would we would judge them as not successful and lazy and not taking care of their family. But th- then you, you you talk to them and they feel great. So it's not really about it's not really about what people should do, and there is no there is not like a frame where we we need to put all of them and they need to follow the exact. It's more about like, are you willing to be happy with yourself right now, and uh, what is holding you back from it? Me, I'm I'm really into like looking for happiness. I know it's um I, I organized an event not too long ago. It's a little talk of like oh, almost two hours. There was a uh, one of my colleagues, uh, young Kate, who might see this podcast, I don't know, uh, she did um, a meditation at the end. So we had this event almost two months ago and I was giving a step-by-step process about happiness. And one of the first thing I said during the talk was there is no step-by-step process. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's not how I perceive it. It's not how I think it should be perceived. As long as you compare real-life problems, step-by-step mechanic problem to psychological problems, you, you are usually you will struggle. My current condition seems to be that... Um, uh, are we doing a session right now? I don't know. <laughs> it would be interesting if you could actually hypnotize me on camera. I don't know what that would mean. But, um, well, do you want to try something now? Uh, okay. You want to try something now? Sure. Some some just simple effect that I've been doing straight hypnosis a little bit in Saigon. Look out. Just put your hand like this. Okay. Just like if you were praying and pray that. already? Like that's right. And you, pray, you, pray that it's going to be okay. You don't touch my hands together. That's right. <laughs> See? That's the, that's the first step. Right. I made you do that. Right. 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 <laughs> so, okay. I'm going to ask you to turn a little bit because the, the mic is a little bit in front of you. And just make sure you have your hands like this and right that's perfect. Open your hands a little bit, like 30, 40 centimeters, and just keep your hand, two hands like this. And make sure they just stick here. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to just focus all of your attention in between these two hands. But mic is on the way. 
So maybe what you can just do is close your eyes and imagine that there is something in between these two hands. Got it. That's right. Just keep your eyes closed and imagine that there's a little cloud. Okay? Imagine that there's a cloud between my hands? Just imagine that there's a little cloud in between these two hands and just close your eyes and feel the cloud. That's right. And as you imagine this cloud, the color of it, the feeling of having it, now just imagine that there is a magnet here and a second magnet here, two very strong, powerful magnets coming together. And you're going to find that it's interesting because the more you focus on the cloud, the more you can remember this time when you were a kid and you played with two magnets and you found these two magnets coming together all by themselves. And the more you're trying to pull them apart, the closer it comes. That's right. And you can just take a deep breath in. And that's right. As you're breathing out, you can just completely leave these two hands and the magnets coming together closer and closer. And if you try to pull them apart, you find that the more you try, the closer it comes. That's right. And you might find some kind of weird little resistance. That's right. And it's going to come closer and closer as you can hear the sound around you, the sound of my voice, each word that I'm saying helping you to imagine these magnets, strong and powerful, coming together closer and closer. That's right. You can give me a feedback how you feel right now. Um, I'm enjoying the act of visualizing this cloud. Cool. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I've always enjoyed the sensation of magnets, mm -mm. you know, the way that they repel. Yeah. More, more so the way that they repel each other than the way right. that they attract. That's right. Because when they attract, it's like so fast. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with the repel, you can kind of squish them. like. Uh, so you kind of like felt like it was like a negative and a negative and they were repelling each other. I'm, oh, I just didn't want to slap my hands together, you know. Like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it goes back to what we said before. Like, there's no such thing as I want you to do. It's more like, what experience are you willing to uh, enjoy? Mm. Like, I had a case where I would do this effect. I do this effect with a lot of people because it's simple to set up. And this person was telling me the same thing that you said. And keep their hand like this. And when I said the hands... Coming, to, coming together, I say, it cannot... I say, why that? I said, because they are the same pole. Do we say that? Uh, polarity. Polarity, is, they have the same polarity. It's like a negative and negative. So they just, they just stay like this and they're repelling each other. So I just pretend that I'm turning one of those and then he could find his hand coming together. Yeah. And if you play the game for longer, you may find that you can actually switch that and have this. And you just like keep these two hands like this. Yeah. What happened to you right now? Did you just like push? I mean, I just thought, okay, let me visually flip it and then let me also push my hands together because that's what would happen. Mm. Um, well, you can like, it, you can just, okay, this is interesting because what you've just done here on the stage could appear as I made you do it. Mm. But the fact that I'm not saying it out loud, people would think that I use some power. 
But like, for example, you just had your hand coming together because you feel like, oh, I want to feel what it feels now to have them together, right? right? So the whole difference between the therapeutic hypnosis and the way I would do it, which is like very transparent, is I'm going to say what's happening and ask you a lot of feedbacks. But stage hypnosis will tend to like give order and direction that people would just obey nicely. And on stage, it would just look great. It would look like he's he's having a power. So yeah. yeah. How about? Oh. oh yeah. Well, that's that's just like when I ask you to. Sorry for imagine, those who are listening. No, 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 it's okay. I, I, it's I a pendulum. Say, pendulum. Yeah. How about? I was gonna say like a pocket watch, right? Like yeah. swinging a, a pendulum or pocket watch back and forth. Well, the that would that would work. I guess it's not it's not really so much about like what device you're using. It's more about where do you focus your attention. Yeah. So when I ask you to close your eyes or imagine this little cloud in between the, these two hands is the equivalent of following a pendulum. It's just you just imagine something and you just focus your attention on it. What I liked when I had my eyes closed is on several occasions you would say that's right. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if what I'm doing, but it's nice to have the confirmation that I'm doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now the prime is like, you are too relaxed. You cannot engage in conversation right. as quickly as before. <laughs> hip, hip, hypnotize me into being an excellent podcast host. Well, I think you're doing great already. Do you really think you need me for that? <laughs> I don't know if that's part of the treatment or if that's a legitimate question. Yeah. Well, the way I will do... I'm just, <laughs> you didn't ask me any question, but I just go on the topic that suddenly pops up. But the way I would do... I would work with clients in my practice is not so much about adding things like you said, can you make me a better podcaster? Can you make sure I'm not an asshole? Can you like, and usually people comes with requests of add all these layers of things that I want to do. I want more motivation, more creativity. I want to be a better person in this and that levels. And I will not do that ever because you don't want to um no because i don't think it's um what first when when someone comes with like a specific request of you make me do that then they already got it wrong because there's no the, ultimately they are going to be the one who do the change who make the change for themselves and I don't have the power to make them change. What we can work on right now, and it's going to be a collaboration, is change the way they think right now at the moment about a certain situation. So I'll, t I'll tend to skim off things, like remove things out of the way so they can move forward better, like in, in, in move forward in life. And we've just removed obstacles. So my way of working is about removing obstacles and obstacles are going to be fear, anxiety, stress, and all the things I mentioned before. Because I found that it's when usually, when you don't have much in your mind and when you are in the light flow state, kind of, you know, feeling yourself lifting up, that you can just do things that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and also, it's a bit biased because... This is the way I work. When I have like a long list of things to do, I tend to do none of them. So it's 
when everything is clear and I have directions, obviously, that I can go somewhere. But when I see that I have my whiteboard at home and it's full of things to tick for today, I have an application, uh, Wonderlist, that's full of points to tick, full of like this. I'm not going to do any of them. It's too much. I used to work with the coach and this guy would give me a lot of homework and I would do none of them. So... To me, it doesn't work. And I tend to like have client agree that for them it's good too. But if someone really have the expectation that he should now be more creative because we're going to do hypnosis together, then it's not a good, uh, it's not a good start. If we look at the human condition, and I'm not sure how much of this is universal, Mm-hmm. or how much of this is specific to people working in creative fields. Mm-hmm. If you have a insight either way, please let me know. But you could be dealing with something like writer's block or feeling that you don't have any good ideas, feeling that you don't that uninspired or having a lack of creativity. Mm-hmm. You could have a problem with... Um, procrastination or getting things done or um, you know even attack, attacking the first thing on your to-do list hmm. and you could just generally feel uh, overwhelmed mm-hmm. with existential dread okay <laughs> you know? yeah yeah sure right? yeah, yeah these are that makes sense these are kind of things that could hinder one uh, from being being happy as you were suggesting yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or actually producing work I agree with you yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I agree with you um, and I guess I find myself um, coming up against all those things from time to time yeah the thing about creativity is for me I think lightning in a bottle is very rare um, mm-hmm. it's very rare that you're just You're like, okay, today I have to write a great novel and, oh, now I have a good idea mm-mm, for that novel, mm-mm. right? Um, I think you're more uh, going to be more successful in one or two paths. Mm. Um, one, you just start working on some project mm. and without the expectation of it being brilliant. And then while you're doing it, you'll see opportunities to make it better. Mm-hmm. And all those small improvements added together uh, will you know be what's the lightning in the bottle right what's what's the creative genius of the of yeah. the work right um, or when you're presented with specific problems I don't know how to solve this problem hmm. then you could come up with a great solution for that problem um, how does your character get from point a to point B in the story or how do you uh, justify a certain action? Of a character, for instance, yeah um, in in my case, it tends to be video games m- more so, so it's like um you know how do I present the level in a way that uh, is visually appealing mm. but also doesn't um, tax the resources of the computer system too highly or whatever right I mean yeah. but the you know the whole overall So that's that's one tip out there you know just if you're having writer's block or, or whatever the equivalent in your field is just start working on something doesn't matter and then through the process of just getting in the flow of working 
you'll have better stuff come up. You know, you don't have to write the great thing first. You can write a bunch of crap and then delete it yeah. when you have something better later. Um, the other two points, or do you have anything to add on that one? Um, getting into any task and go into the flow of working and being productive to then later on catch like catch up with what's more meaningful or more productive i think it's a great tip um i would add that yeah it's, it's, it's like what you said like starting with the draft starting by doing something and it's terrible it's better than not starting at all if something is worth doing it's usually worth doing very bad at first I don't think anybody comes up with a great idea without all the bad ideas before or all the ones that didn't work if we don't want to label them bad. Yeah. This um, great tip, uh, Thomas. Uh, I would say, like, seriously, you can, you can write this one down in the, under the video. So I had a, tip number one. an alternative to that, mm -hmm. and that is when you have hit your head against the wall for a long time mm -hmm. and you're not able to come up with the idea, go for a walk or take a shower, or go for a swim, or go exercise, yeah. or go for a coffee, and get yourself out of that situation. Yeah. And maybe, no. I mean, well, one, it will, you'll, your life will just be better. <laughs> <laughs> but two, if you did have a, a problem that was particularly hard to solve, maybe you'll come up with the solution when you're not trying to find the solution. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's that. That's uh, a good one. I, like, uh, these two are already uh, on point. Right. I, I could... I'm not, I'm not going to say suddenly, oh, I was going to say that, but they are practical, uh, good practical advices. And uh, whoever is listening to it, uh, Thomas Grave. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it, it would be ridiculous to say that uh, I embody these things. I'm constantly failing at living a good life or being a good designer or whatever, right. whatever, right? And... Um, Sometimes I forget the very easy lessons that I had learned before. Mm. You know, sometimes I have writer's block, yeah, and uh, and I'm not doing one of these two things to try to solve it. Yeah. I might just be sitting there upset with myself, mm. which isn't actually mm. the solution. Which is not the solution for sure. Definitely go exercise or just write, write, do some work instead. Right? Yeah. Uh, this is kind of it's interesting how these things. It was like it's like a, it's like the it's like the stereotypical good game uh, takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master, mm. right? So <laughs> it's like that. Uh, the other two things, um, having big lists of things to do and yeah. having that list be so long that you just get uh, overwhelmed by it and decide not to work on any of it. Yeah. Um, My okay. I wasn't like completely dismissing the list thing because it's always good to know what you have to do, right? You cannot just remember everything. It's, to me, the, what does the trick when I absolutely need a few points on the list is to change formats. I have lists in different... Uh, I have lists on the board and then I will not pay attention to the board purposely so then I write another list on my Google Calendar 
And then when I don't pay attention to the Google Calendar, I like I trick myself into putting lists where I don't, I'm not used to have them. Like I would them have them on a on a piece of paper. I can have it inside my uh, wallet. But yeah, it's it's just micromanaging. But when I have lists, and it can be, I uh, oftentimes use Trello. Yeah, which is like a Kanban board. Um, or I will. Uh, I'll just have a text document, to-do.txt okay. on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on my desktop or whatever. Same here. And the idea there, like for it to work well, is you have all the things that you know you need to do, you just write them down so you don't have to just try to keep them in your memory because yeah. you will forget them or they will just kind of drag you down. Yeah. So just to write them down so you don't have to remember it anymore. Exactly, yeah. But then the important next step is in an ideal situation, you are every day looking at that list and reprioritizing it yeah. and then taking the top three priority items and moving them from to-do to to-do today, <laughs> right? Yeah. From your backlog to what are you going to actually accomplish today? Yeah. And, you know, if you only have three things to get, if you can get three high priority tasks done in a day, that was, I, can, I consider that day a win. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, one one trick that work every time is like don't judge. Uh, okay, no, the first one is don't discount small victories. So like amongst your three items, you only did one, but you still did something, you know. And um, yeah, anytime, don't discount small victories and then don't put judgment on anything basically i mean the least judgment you have toward others yourself what you've done uh the the happier usually you're gonna get so the fact that you know you're describing how some days you will be not productive and just look at all the things you didn't achieve and feel upset this is the perfect definition on why you didn't do anything i mean Feeling upset was the result of no, not you not doing it and not doing anything, but it's all about like playing with the emotions, states that you have that will allow you to be, feel better about yourself. Because today you didn't do anything, so whether you feel upset or not, it's not going to change anything about the things that have not been done. So if you have to choose an option, just do nothing and don't be upset about it. You know, it sounds, I mean, it sounds easy like this and it sounds like people are getting, usually when you get upset, you feel like it's happening to you. You don't feel like you are making it up. You haven't done anything. So as a result, you are playing in loop a bunch of story telling you about how come you, how tomorrow you're going to have to do twice more and today you didn't do anything and you were not productive uh, productive and, and then you start to feel upset you just feel like it's happening so even if you're upset or anything any type of emotion when you start to own it and 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 go through it knowing that it's happening and you are making it up then usually it loses some power on you so you can you can feel upset, you can feel sad, you can feel anything you want, but 
if you cannot control it, what you can do is influence it or work on your relationship with this specific emotion. So this is where I'm trying to make a difference when I work with people. You know what I mean? Like you have all these ways of be productive, like go for a walk, take a shower, uh, have this list. What was the first one that you said again? That was a good one. <laughs> I mean, uh, exercise. Yeah, yeah. Get a coffee. Right, exactly. and start a task, uh, draft something. And oh yeah, make something. Into, yeah, make Even something. if it's not perfect or the final so thing. yeah all of these are very good practical advices and and me i'm when i'm working with someone um i'm trying to deal with the emotional side of it so someone who's not productive i will not endorse the responsibility of make them productive however we can work together into them not feeling too bad right. and it's always going to be up to them whether or not they are productive, you know, and, 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 and it changes in some coach out there will give you homework, like the one who is working with me. And for some people, it's fantastic. For some people, it gives the result that they are expecting. Uh, it's, it's been working with me to a certain extent. So it's, it's really about what works for you. But for example, someone might run into this podcast, hear you talking about the three points that you made on how to be more productive and that might be a life changer for them. I hope so. Yeah. But this does kind of, we are, we have segued into the, I want to say the third point, not to be mm -hmm. confused with the, when you just said the number three, but the original three. So mm -hmm. the first one was, uh, again, writers, thought something kind of like writer's block or creativity, feeling like you're not creative. Uh oh, okay. The second one was, productivity mm -hmm. and then the third one was like just feeling bad yeah uh for whatever reason now as you as we've been kind of alluding to a lot of the reasons why i feel bad in general is i feel like i'm not doing enough mm. i feel like and and i th i think in, in large part that's because i'm a uh, freelancer or an entrepreneur or something so if i was an employee, I think if I went to my job and I did my eight hours, maybe I would feel that's enough. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, and because now I have at least financial means to um, support my family or support my life. And then with my time after work, I could use that just for relaxation or spending time with friends and family or exercise, whatever was important to me. But, um, I do personally feel I struggle with feeling really bad ab about myself. Mm. And sometimes mm. I'm able to be um, not feel. Sometimes I can feel great about not doing anything. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have other people in my life that will ask me, what did I get done today? And then I'll say, oh, today I didn't get anything done. Mm -mm. And then they'll remind me to feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. Um, well, here is a psychological trick. Uh, it's a very, very simple one. People talk about themselves. People talk about themselves constantly. They will tell you what they would feel if they were not productive. Like you said, some days you are not productive and you're feeling terrible. Some days you are not productive and you're feeling just fine. 
And these people, uh, they think you shouldn't feel fine. But it, it's not because they're pointing at you necessarily. They're pointing at them. They're thinking, if I wasn't productive today, I would feel terrible. If I didn't achieve anything. To, you know. But there's no rule in the universe that says, first, you should be productive. And secondly, you should feel this way or that way. Like, ultimately, nothing is supposed to happen anytime. Right. If you take a big step back yeah. and you look at the fact that we're all going to die and then this universe yeah. that we're in is also going to die. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? right. Uh, these trials and tribulations about whether you got the task on your to-do list yes, done right. are very, very trivial and oh. inconsequential. Do you remember the message I sent to my friend earlier who was telling me, oh, I want to break up with this guy and I feel uh, guilty about it. And the, the thing that I said was this stupid, funny comparison. I say some people kill others and they don't feel guilty about it. And that, that, that's, that's the true, that's how it works. That's the nature of some of us. Right. Yeah. But those people, um, and they, not, and I want to say they not end up in prison. None, first of all, yes, but that's <laughs> that's just like the end result. But like it's more about their state. Some people will end up in prison, and it will just feel bad that they are in prison, but not necessarily that they killed someone. Right. You know. Do you think? Um, and uh, not talking about psychopath who like enjoy it. They can they can be people. Who so you can not be a psychopath and still be okay with. Uh, Actions that the rest of society okay, look, condemns. Look, okay, war. Some people go back home and and feel terrible and end up depress, uh, depressed, and some of them even commit suicide. So, and and some just follow orders, right. and they are not necessarily psychopaths. They just, in their experience of their own reality, they just did the right thing. Yeah. Okay, what were you saying before? Just... Because I'm, I went into like something very... <laughs> I've, I've a lot recently been thinking about subjects very similar to this. Okay. Where... Um, there's things that I've done that have hurt other people that... Mm-hmm. I don't really feel remorseful about if I'm to be honest. There you go. You know, um, but it seems like the kind of thing that they certainly think I should feel bad about. And yeah. also that society as a whole might think I should feel bad about. Okay. And then I you know, have to wonder, does that make me a monster or is it normal? And then I, you know, you start thinking about yeah. topics like war and like how extreme those situations can be, mm, 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 mm. and uh, you start to wonder about these. Like, if I was in those situations, what would be normal, or, or or how should one be? I think it all kind of gets to like a subject of of ethics. Uh, yeah, you know, like that's 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 the line. You know, because you didn't do you didn't do anything illegal. I mean, not in this specific case, did you? Okay, no, well, I'm not going to ask you, did you? But like, it's more about, I draw the line between, yeah, something that's not illegal, but you you may hurt someone like, yeah. psychologically. I mean, here, here's, here's, a, here's an example. Um, I, I've been struggling with a short temper, mm. right? 
and uh, I, I realize that it doesn't benefit me mm. or it doesn't really benefit anybody for me to have a short temper. Right. Yet here it is. Right. So I try to work on ways of. Uh, and how is it going now compared to before? I, 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 I make improvements. Okay. But still, I, I can, if I was a little too tired someday, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can be in a physiological or mental state where it's harder for you to, in, to control your impulses. Okay. You know, or harder for you to make good decisions. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, in, in this modern world, we don't, most of us don't have religion anymore. That's right. And religion used to be the thing that told us what was ethical and, and how we should it? behave. Like they should, yeah. this is the, the, uh, the blueprint of how to live a good life. But we don't have a blueprint for today's modern world anymore. Mm. I'm going to put that out there as a, uh, what would you call it, a, uh, a thesis statement. Mm. And what we do have is superhero movies, and they solve all their problems with violence. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way. Right? If you think of every Avenger, movie, every Avenger movie, and like they solve all of their problems by punching the bad guy in the face. Yeah. And like... So how am I supposed to behave in this modern world where like the only gods I have are Iron Man and Thor and I don't I don't like know? any of this superhero <laughs> movie. I don't enjoy them. I'm not saying they're terrible, but I don't I think I tried to watch a few of them. No, someone dragged me into Adventure versus something else. And it was in Vietnam here and I watched it at the theater. And I almost slipped through it. It was very, I found it very boring and very use, uh, there was only like a lot of action, a lot of useless motions on the screen. Yeah. That's what I found. Like action scenes that would last for uh, 20 minutes. I don't know. I don't even know. I didn't have a notion of time. I just thought it it is tiring and, and I don't see any depth in any of the character i can't I mean, maybe some kid, kids can identify or would like to identify they're looking for the strong muscular guy who's beating everybody up i guess but like i don't know me i'm i've never well i, I like most of the superhero movies but huh. in general i do find like what do you like about them though like genuinely now give me one good one of your favorite one what's what's the name of it I tend to like the Avengers movies more so than any of the solo movies Mm -hmm. Um, because when you have the superhero versus all the bad guys, there's not really any conflict Mm -hmm. because there's no question who's going to come out on top. But in uh, the Avengers movies, you have all the superheroes coming together and it's not about them versus the bad guy. That's that doesn't matter. It's about how they interact with each other. Okay. It's just, it's kind of like watching um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay, you know. Yeah. But instead of <laughs> instead yeah. of uh, television producers, they're superheroes. But it's about their the character interactions. It's not about their conflict with the bad but guys. Doesn't, doesn't it bother you that there's no surprise 
ultimately the good guys are gonna win and the bad guys are gonna lose sure. and the good guy look good and the bad guys look bad like there's no nuances that's what bothers me with a lot of i would say american movies but like you know like yes very, i feel like sometime in a lot of american movies they they talk to you like you are a child Look at this guy. He's the bad guy. Can you see? He just says something very bad and he looks and everything is dark on the picture. This is the bad guy. This is the good guy. He's smiling and it's he looks very handsome. Disney. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I that bar, I can I can tell by all the millions of dollars that are being made that there is a public for that and an audience for that. But it's the same with music as well. Yeah, yeah, right? true. We could we could probably say that for all the create every single creative field everything that's being produced that is a mega hit yeah whether it's a video game or a stage play or pop music uh-uh. or a blockbuster was a very movie, simplistic they uh i would say generally they're, they're spending so much money on the production of it that they uh are conservative with mm. the storytelling and the characterizations they're not trying to be too risky that's right just risky enough that's right it's all faux riskiness yeah scorsese the yes director had a i don't know if it's in the new york time but like in one of the newspaper made a huge long a long statement about how terrible for the in the, the cinema industry all these superhero movies was and he was putting with the right words exactly what i thought from the beginning and i'm i'm happy that someone that important could make this statement like with beautiful sentences and <laughs> and phrasing and i thought it nailed it that's exactly what i think that's exactly i felt that way as well so you could uh yeah yeah to to echo to echo uh your statement earlier i find most movies that I go to to be boring. Um, and especially action movies, mm. though I love action movies. As a genre, I love it. Mm-mm. But uh, the person who does it well is somebody like Quentin Tarantino. Mm. And what you find in most mainstream action movies is they go at 90% through most of the movie. So there's no ups and downs in terms of moments of intensity and then moments of relaxation. Mm-hmm. So once you get uh, punched in the face repeatedly, mm. it's you get numb to it, right? So whether yeah. it's a, the latest Star Wars movie or the latest uh, Birds of Prey was, was something I saw last two weeks ago, which is the the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah. You know, they're kind of just riding at 80 to 90% the whole time. They don't have yeah. big swells between high points and low points. Yeah, I see what you mean. And well, they're great exercises in aesthetics. Every oh, single uh, yeah. moment of those movies is beautiful if you just look at a frame of it. This part, um, I agree. Like, yeah. Absolutely. No, I'm not saying that this shouldn't be actions, move, like uh, superheroes movie and and all these popular very commercial movies i'm just saying that the fact that they are main there's mainly those type of movies it kind of 
shadows, put in under the shadow all these great things that masterpiece that are not, that are more, I don't know, that are different. I, I, I like that, the diversity. It, there should be more choices for, but um, we, this conversation can last forever, but basically I get it. Like it makes money, why not doing more of it? So in in that sense, it's a no brainer. I cannot like tell people not to do something that makes big money. <laughs> I mean, you a factory could be making big money but polluting the water supply and you might make a decision. Yeah. At, you know, not even though that increases profits, it's kind of yeah. a short-term consideration and it yeah. shouldn't be done. Um the biggest problem is here in Vietnam there's not a ton of diversity of cinema. Right? The yeah. the movies that there's not an art house theater scene so mm -hmm. the the western movies that make it here um by and large are hollywood blockbusters there's very few yeah movies that tend towards artistic artsy movie uh, as we can call them right and a parasite was shown here uh, which is a korean movie but it's in korean with vietnamese subtitles so <laughs> you know not with english subtitles so yeah How do you spend your time for leisure? What do you do to relax? Uh, what I do to relax? I enjoy my coffee in Vietnam with ice and <laughs> a little bit of, of uh, condensed milk. No, I, I really enjoy the coffee scene in Saigon. Uh, maybe less than I used to. But um, yeah, I go to, go to gym and, and read drink coffee i mean sounds like boring almost 40 years old guy i would have looked at myself from when i was 25 if i was 25 look at my 36 year old now i would be thinking oh that's that looks boring but no i'm just fine relaxing like that i don't know what else can i i ride around sometimes nighttime not daytime daytime is tiring it's, it's too hot but i could like ride around with my scooter for a good hour for no reason. Yeah. Riding for pleasure is a completely different thing than going from point A to point B Absolutely. because you have to yep. and there's traffic the whole way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll visit, I will, I will try small, uh, small streets and just try out new ways of going from a point A to where is the point? I don't even know where is the point B. Point B is going back home. <laughs> what's the longest, what's the longest I can do? <laughs> I met somebody the other day who said some of their best, I might actually interview them tomorrow. So this might be in the ne next week's episode of this podcast. because so I'll probably ask this guy again about this topic, but he said some of his best experiences in Vietnam have been riding motorbikes like on long trips. Yeah. And I told him I was afraid to do that because uh -huh. I don't want to get hit by a truck. Yeah. And he said there is some you know websites or application that suggest routes that are on less big roads. Oh, that's good. So Yeah. What do you do then? I want to ask you the question. What do you do there? I don't chill. You I don't, don't chill. Relax. You don't relax. Yeah. All right. Um I do enjoy drinking coffee, but in a way, like I'm just hyping myself up with uh, that, okay. right? Okay. Um, do you do meditation or anything? I used like to. Yeah? Yeah. I, 
how did it go when you were doing it? It became such, I did it every morning for 10 years. Wow. I would go to my master's. You should be enlightened by now. I was. There you go. And I lost it. Oh, but it's up to you to catch up. <laughs> I, I, I was, and I didn't like it because I didn't care about the world anymore. It didn't matter. Hmm. Um, it made it hard to talk to people okay. in a way that it made it hard to have like meaningful connections with people. Okay. And then I fell out of it. Okay. 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 <laughs> But, <laughs> no, no, sure. That can be, a, I guess, that could also be a side effect for some people. There, there, here's the thing that is in, the biggest takeaway, though, is in my normal state, if I'm riding my motorbike yeah. and I hear a car honk behind me, yeah. I told you I have a short temper. Yeah. If I'm riding my motorbike, which is a tense situation in the first place, and a car honks behind me, I get this surge of energy that rushes up. Yeah. And it's very much like a lizard brain mm -hmm. response, I yeah. think. I, I feel hot. And then my... It goes all the way up to your finger. Yeah, the middle finger. yeah that's right. <laughs> and and the, the dialogue, interior dialogue is, fuck you, car driver mm -mm. honking at me. I'm allowed to be where I am. Why are, uh, why are you in such a hurry? Yeah. Why do you get to take priority over me just because you're in a car? Right. I'm driving the speed limit. Yeah. You know? Uh, but in that other state, yeah. the response is honking. That's it. It's not he's honking at me. Yeah. It's just, oh, there is honking happening. Yep. That's it. And uh, that sounds good. That's definitely uh, in those cases, that's, that's, that's preferable. I'm going to give myself cancer with all this reactive, <laughs> taking everything so personally, you know? Ah, like the, the yeah, you, you got it. Like there's no, you understand, you tried both. Yeah. Why? Yeah, you try both ways. Honking and then, then the other option is like you take it for yourself and it makes you mad. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, there's no, I don't believe you can like be a hundred percent enlightened all the time. Maybe some people are obviously, but I'm, I'm just saying that it's okay to be short tempered sometimes and it's okay to be sad sometimes. It's okay to be angry sometimes. It's more, it's really about like, what is your relationship with it, you know, and As long as it serves, as long as you feel like it serves you, like any behavior serves you, then there's not going to be any reason for you to change it. And I'm saying it as a statement, not a judgment. It's really, some people will have short temper forever until they, they grow old and they will be this grumpy old man who, uh, when, when the When the ball from the kid is landing in his, in his garden, he's going to take the ball and he's just going to stab it with a knife. <laughs> so you can choose to be this way. And like he thinks this guy, this, this old man thinks that he's been angry his whole life for a reason. And he has what he might consider good reasons. Like people don't respect the rules and, you know, whatever. But it's all about like, Maybe he doesn't want to be happy. You know, I believe people 
most of people want to be happy. Some people, they, they, they want to be happy, but with a condition. And this is when trouble usually starts. Like, I'm going to be happy when then people don't talk to me like that. I'm going to be happy when I reach this many, this much money. I'm going to be happy when I finish my coffee. Like anytime you add condition, then you postponing happiness, but you can postpone it forever. I somehow f fetishize assholes. Okay. Uh, I don't mean... Because they, they are better at picking, picking up girls. <laughs> It's just like that old man who takes the soccer ball that was kicked into his yard and mm. he stabs it. Mm. I'm kind of like, yeah, that was cool. You know, I, I don't, I mean. It's I, funny to, as a story, it's funny to to tell. But like if you make it a movie and this old man is depressed because it's, he has nobody and he's lonely, you can turn it into something very sad. It's just that the way you tell a story, you can you can turn it into something funny. But that's I mean, why I love comedy, by the way. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, in a way, what um, Larry David's character mm. is in Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm. right? Um, though he rarely does something uh, malicious. Mal malicious? Malicious. He, oh. he rarely does something out of straight maliciousness. He, he, it's like he does things because he believes that this is the right Righteousness. Way out of righteousness. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Right? Out of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happens that his righteousness is annoying for everybody else around him. Yeah. You know, I, that reminds me of a post I saw on Facebook on some expat groups a while ago, not following these groups anymore. It's, it's too much of a burden. <laughs> and this American dude uh, was spilling all of the rage he could about the driving in Vietnam. So the honking of the cars and pe uh, people cutting your way. And he, he would be very, very mad at it. And I think as, as, as someone from a Western country, you come here in Vietnam and you expect the rules to be followed the same way they are back home, you're going to suffer. <laughs> you know, I think Vietnam helped me to be more calm in that sense because now it doesn't bother me so much anymore like what people do. Like you see someone going the wrong way on the road. I used to be uh, scared first then angry, then frustrated, then he's not supposed to be on that way. It's a one-way street and he almost hit me. But then once you realize that, okay, now the rule in Vietnam is that this is not a rule, then you just, now, now you, you're going to be mindful next time. You're just going to take the street. It's a one-way street, but you know anybody could come uh, and drive, yeah, cut your way and do all these sort of things. I really appreciate that you've been able to transition like that. Yeah. For me, it's been almost the opposite. Yeah, it's where, worse. It's getting worse. At the beginning, I I had the um, mindset of, oh, look how different it is. Uh, this is exciting. Yeah. Um, and it's, I've become less tolerant over time yeah. towards it. Maybe, maybe recently I'm, I'm, 
kind of reach the bottom and I'm starting to go yeah. back up again, yeah. uh, more become more forgiving um, yeah. as I try to deal with my my just latent anger yeah. and stuff. But it's hard for me. I I get I've been um, it's been pointed out to me by my girlfriend that I'm critical too critical of everyone and everything. Okay. <laughs> and I, I my my reply was that's who I am. Hmm. Like that's my core identity. Ah, that's it, another it, that's another interesting topic yeah. we could like cover, but it's what makes me a, a designer. Okay. Right? Is that I'm able to see things and see what's bad about them yeah. and then be like we should fix that bad thing and then we'd have a good thing. So as a as a as a um <laughs> agent of help uh Hypnotherapists. The only thing I, I just want to like say about that is that being critical and and wanting things to be better or different or you know see things a certain way and feeling like they could be a different way. It's it's like you said, as a designer, as a creative person, it's, it's fantastic. It's it's actually what the quality you want. Because what designer will look at everything and be like, that's perfect. Why would I need to create a new right. lamp or a new couch? But I think the, on, the, the, the only problem right here is just the emotion that you attach to it. Because you can, you can be critical of everything and not being bothered by it. Just like instead of seeing, instead of feeling frustrated, you can just see challenges or you can just see, oh, here's a very different way to see things. I think something better can be done, you know? And it's, I believe it's really a mind gymnastic to like kind of do, you know? I wonder though, because a lot of designers are the T type, like Ian, uh, uh, was it like INTJ? I don't know which one's the architect, but, but I, I'm, definitely an f type uh-huh. so i process things by the way they make me feel generally so when i'm bothered by something's design it's a visceral gut feeling like i'm going to throw up mm-hmm. is what is my first reaction and then okay. later i can try to analyze it and figure out what's causing that unsettling feeling in my gut uh-huh. um, about a system or an object. Okay, I'm just going to make a short statement. Whenever you see yourself, I don't know what's this type thing, but like if you have a label for who you are, then you're not going to tend to change anything. It's, it, it's, it's, if it's you and you believe it's you, then why would you bother changing anything? Because you really believe that there's an F-type and the F-type is you. You are the F-type. You are in this category of people, of creative people. So it's been very precise. So then you ultimately always have this, you know, reaction. And people believe what they want to believe. It's, uh, you know, when you want to change, that's something I say in my practice sometimes. If you want to change, then you're going to have to change something. You know, it sounds ridiculous and, and logic, but people don't, most people don't get it. If you want to change something, you're going to have to change something. Yeah. So not dismissing the type thing, but 
a little bit, yes, dismissing it because we are our like people brain is uh is plastic it's something that can be modulate evolve and change and does change over time anyway so why, why not using it to our advantages yeah yeah driving in vietnam why topic driving in vietnam i still get i still get mad sometimes but for different things than before um slow drivers <laughs> i think slow drivers tend to create a little bit of stress sometime to me so i would just like take them over very fast and very close to them to show that i'm taking you over right now right so yeah. the taking them over is fine but this whole and close to them so they know that you're upset <laughs> that's really and like it's rare. Yeah. Okay. I but get that's a little tense sometimes. I mean, okay. that's the. I found this. Yeah, because recently. you still you still find it necessary to pass a message. Right. So here's something I've been discovering. I mean, yeah. you think at 40 years old I should have discovered this 20 or 30 years ago? Oh, there's no shoot. Don't worry. But uh, here I am at 40, only discovering it last week. But okay, this is this is very quotable. Uh, Sometimes we want to express our feeling through action mm -hmm. because we're not expressing our feeling through words, but it normally results in a mess that has to be cleaned up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's not, it's not worth the work it takes to clean up that mess to have expressed yourself in that way. For instance, if you were, angry and to express the anger you decided to break a glass on the ground mm. the amount of time it takes you to find all those small glass pieces in every corner of your house mm -hmm. and and clean it up it's like it would have been better just to say you know what i'm i'm really upset right now and i don't like the way that you you're mm. treating me or talking to me or mm. you know that would have you would have i mean it's just better it's, it's, it's what, I, what I'm discovering is that sometimes you feel so uh, angry. Normally, yeah. normally, it's anger. Yeah. I mean, if you did some grand gesture out of out of love or compassion, and like, and here is flowers for you. <laughs> I mean, nobody's gonna be upset about that, right? <laughs> so it's more it's more like when you do these grand gestures out of frustration or mm. you know either frustration or anger, yeah. because you're like, I want you to know that you're driving too slow and now yeah. look at me driving close to you. Yeah, that's how people get killed. And it's how people get killed. And, <laughs> and, wouldn't, and, and, if, and wouldn't that be a mess that's harder to clean up than having... The, here's the problem. Having in, said it, having stated it, yeah, definitely. The, I guess the problem that happens oftentimes while you're driving, Yeah, we're talking about road rage in, in the United States where everybody's in their own car. Yeah. You don't have a way to actually talk to the other per the other driver, right? Right. I'm in my bubble; they're in their bubble. Yeah. I can't have a conversation with them to let them know that I'm upset. So how do right. I do it? Like, what tools do I have? I can honk. I can whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And honk is not like a great communication. No. Because there's only well in Vietnam people use it differently, right? I feel like in in France, for example, if you honk, it's like almost a provoc uh, provocation provocation. 
that you're gonna America too. Yeah, right. Yeah. But in in here, you hung for just to state that you are around. Be careful. I'm not too far from you. I don't want you to bump onto my scooter, and I don't want to bump. Like it, you just make people aware that you are around. I think 99% of the hongs in Vietnam are just, hey, I'm here. That's why I advocate that bikes should have two horns. Oh, the small one and the, yeah. A hello like, horn and an angry horn. Oh, you know? that's not, that's not, yeah. I, I wonder if people would be using it like correctly because maybe they will be thinking that it's more practical to use the loud one Because then they can hear me from they would far be the, away. They would be the same loudness. Ah, okay. But one would have like a... One is like, it has this tone that's nicer. It's like a woman. Right. Like, <laughs> and imagine one. these tones like... Uh, versus... Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't know how that's gonna... Talking about design and, and sound design creativity, here is a fantastic uh, feature that we need Absolutely. I don't know if anyone from the Vietnamese uh, or whatever motorbike regulation in the world yeah, heard you that. Yeah, for cars too. And for cars too. Yeah. See? A happy horn and an angry horn. We had a conversation. You were not expecting that. And suddenly you came up with this idea. I've had it before. You know? uh, okay. Yeah, but just re-triggered the memory. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's a good one. Um, but the same thing could happen, I think... Let's say with foreigners in Vietnam, right. or a foreigner in any country where oh, the be. population doesn't speak your own language, yeah. you could. I'm going to put this out as another theory. You could potentially have a much bigger reaction than you should because of the language barrier. You feel like you don't have the tools to communicate verbally. Right. Your, how that you're upset, yeah. and so instead you yell and shout and right, you know, shake your fist or uh, whatever. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. It's just a theory. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about girls. I don't know. <laughs> We talked about cars. <laughs> Are you dating anybody? I'm like, yeah. It's been a couple of years now. Yeah. Is it the girl that you were with at the cafe the no, other day? No, that was no. She, one, she's a friend. <laughs> she's a friend. That one's a friend. It's a very good friend. Her name is, uh, yeah. Her name is Winnie. She's very cool. But no, no, we're not together and we don't intend to. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. But does your girlfriend know about Winnie? Yeah, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. Is she jealous of Winnie? No, no. Nobody's jealous. I can't date jealous people. That's 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 a very cold statement to say that I can't date jealous people. I guess when I started dating someone, this is probably one of the threats I'm like trying to spot because I'm not I don't want to leave it with this kind of pressure with someone who's, I don't know, checking my phone, asking me where I was, who am I seeing, who's this girl, all these questions, I don't want them. Yeah. yeah. Usually when this, if, if this, I can remember I had a relationship with this girl and she started to have these kind of questions and it ended up not too long after and I think it's linked. <laughs> it's complicated. And also because I'm not jealous. So I feel that there's no way someone will be jealous of my, like have jealous behavior when I don't have it. So I need to find, it's like a balance. And I'm not saying, okay, jealousy is not something that you shouldn't have or can't feel sometimes. It's, it's fine, but it's when it goes over the top. 
and it starts to affect me and my life and regulate my life and suddenly I have this uh, report to make about where I was, with who, for how long. Oh, I can't, I don't. Do you have that? Are you a jealous type? <laughs> uh, my, Are you? My girlfriend is. Your girlfriend is, okay. And, and it gets old fast. And, right. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Baby, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. What can I say? People who are jealous are jealous because usually they are insecure. I don't know. It's a, Everybody knows that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They are insecure about themselves. They think that you're going to find someone better. And, you know, there's this whole thing about... I'm, I'm not saying... The problem, like, is that when, let's say, we'll take this example. Let's say I have another girlfriend and she's very jealous. That will tend to push me into looking for someone else. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I would tend to be looking into finding a girl who's not annoying me with that. So then she would be jealous for a reason as well. Oh, there's this as well. You know, when you... Oh, you are you dating? Are you seeing another girl? At some point, as a guy, you might be thinking maybe I should date another girl. You know, it's like she's almost seeding, <laughs> putting seeds into your mind about maybe that would be better if you were dating someone else. That's how I feel about that. My girlfriend very strongly doesn't want me to have any communication with any of my ex-girlfriends. Right, which is tough because I consider most of my ex-girlfriends still to be friends. Okay. Um, and for a year or, or two, huh. she would ask me like, when was the last time you talked to your ex? Huh. I mean, a specific ex, like yeah. the most recent ex okay, okay. before her. And always the answer was not f for a few months, but now that you've mentioned it, I'm kind of, let me go look at her Facebook. Let's see what's, I'm kind of curious now. Like, and she continually plant that seed in my, in yeah. my head. So, Yeah, it's a dangerous game to be jealous, I would say. Be th the thing is, girls don't, and, and that's fair for them. I don't even know how to phrase that, but girls don't want to be cheating on, right? And they think that being by being jealous, they will prevent it when they actually encourage it. My statement, my statement on that would be, if he's going to cheat, he's going to cheat anyway. So why would you... It's the same thing that what I was saying with emotions, being angry when you are driving and anything. Like, it's, it's happening anyway, you know? So whether or not you're jealous, if he's going to cheat, he's going to cheat. So don't... It's not necessary, you know? Sharing your concern some time because you feel like someone could be a threat, that's, that's one thing. But like policing, controlling, trying to control what your partner is doing, I would say it's uh, this, you're creating a threat that wasn't there before. Yeah. That's how I see it. I'll, I'll, I would get in trouble if I didn't mention this. It's like not like I haven't had behavior in the past that would... Yeah, that would. Uh, I've had behavior in the past that 
Well, you can say gives you, a you, girlfriend you, a valid reason to feel insecure. Sure. Yeah, you've been you've been cheating, and she knows that, and now she feels like it could happen again, right? Right. right. No, if we make it simple. Right. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for example, but not necessarily specifically. But for example. Yeah. In a different world. Right. <laughs> um, but once again, I mean, I, I'm not going to change my line of thought on that. It's the same thing. You, that was you at some point. If it's not you right now, then why would she bother? Would you? I guess you know. Is about. there anything that we could say? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you guys with with this quote. Yeah. Do you All we are is change. Well, you were kind of saying that earlier. I think I do think that that gets to a good point. So if you made it all the way to the end of this video and you have one takeaway, my one takeaway from this conversation with, with Julian is that I shouldn't assume that I'm, that I'm a certain way and incapable of change, that I should be more relaxed in my definition of what or who I am and thus more able to pivot who I am into yeah. um, a better me. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a that's a great thing. And and to open the conversation, I mean to open the topic for you later checking for yourself, there's no such thing as like an identity, like a, a self. And there are a lot of interesting um theories on what's consciousness awareness and how we are just thoughts basically you're reconstructing who you are from your thought from your yesterday thoughts who is reconstructing those thoughts who everybody no no oh yeah who is recon exactly there's no that's the question exactly <laughs> who yeah who yeah yeah one of the uh if you ever do zen training there's a concept called a koan which is a illogical question that has no answer mm -mm. other than perhaps screaming or slapping uh, a table or just some, you know, nonsensical answer. Um, but all the koans come down to basically asking, who am I? Mm -mm. Whether that those are the words that you're using or not, but that's kind of what it is. And so, or who is asking this question, yeah. you know? Yeah, the only constant thing is change. That's a different way to phrase it. What I said before. Okay. Uh, um, if people want to learn more about your practice, do you have like a website or? Um, I don't have a website yet, but I have a Facebook page that I'm trying to keep active. And um, I put some videos on it sometimes, the giving practical advices regarding uh, everyday psychological problems like anxiety, fear, phobia, addiction. Um, so it's uh, free knowledge, basically. You can just go and check it. These videos are not too long either. They're like five minutes each. I've made a few of them and I intend to have more for the new year, 2020. And my page is uh, fb.com slash julian.noyer.hypnotherapy. And it's probably going to be written. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be on the screen as well. Julian, thanks for hanging out today. Thank you again. Awesome to reconnect with you. Yeah. After and, all this time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, that's it. Thanks, right. everyone. Be sure to like and subscribe. Check out Julian's page. 
and we'll see you next week. Hey, we'll see you next week. Goodbye, guys. Thank <laughs> you.